Good morning. Okay, I am excited. This is my second time. If you're new, if you're a guest, I'm a new pastor here. This is my second time preaching. Uh, this is the second time I've spoken. Both times, no one has showed up. So I'm, I'm building some good momentum here. But uh, I'm excited to be with you today and uh, just talk about the obvious topic of the day, which is Easter. Now, I think I'm like you. When, when, when I think about Easter Sunday, I think about the resurrection. I think about Jesus. I think about, you know, secondarily, maybe Easter eggs, Easter egg hunts, being with family. I think about getting dressed up a little bit. I wore a coat today. And then uh, last but not least, Tom Hanks. You don't think about Tom Hanks on Easter? I think about Tom Hanks at least this Easter. Okay, maybe you don't think about Tom Hanks. I think about Tom Hanks this Easter. I'm gonna tell you why. Three reasons. The first, he's on my mind because he's probably the most famous COVID-19 survivor, okay? He went to Australia, he got this thing early on, he's recuperated, he's back home, he's fine. Thank goodness our national treasure, Tom Hanks, is okay, all right? Secondly, I wanna talk about two Tom Hanks movies that have kind of just been stirring in me over the last couple of weeks. And yes, movies stir in me. <laughs> That's kind of how I'm wired, all right? So about a week ago, I introduced my son to one of my favorite movies of all time called Castaway. Okay. If you're younger, you may have missed Castaway. came out about 20 years ago. And Castaway is a story of a guy who his plane crashes, he survives, everyone thinks he's dead. He's on an island for four and a half years and just learns all these deeper meanings about life and what's important and all these cool things. Forget that for a second. <laughs> uh, the reason I've been thinking about Castaway is because this guy was alone on an island and we've all been resonating with him more so than ever over the last couple of weeks. So much so, if you're familiar with the movie, he actually turns a volleyball into a little person named Wilson. It was made by this company, Wilson, that makes uh, sports equipment. He turns this into a character, this volleyball named Wilson, who becomes one of those popular characters in the movie and really iconic, the name Wilson, for a long time. Well, the reason that really has been resonating with me is Jocelyn and I, as you know, have been visiting city groups over the last two or three weeks now, we'll just join in on a Zoom call. It's been awesome. I think we visited six or seven groups now. And one of the last groups we visited, there was this whole conversation about going stir crazy and how difficult it is to be alone. And that is a real thing that many of you are experiencing right now. But there was also a little bit of humor as one of the participants in the group slowly moved their plant into the Zoom camera shot and said, I may or may not have had a few conversations with this plant over the last few days. So I think we're all experiencing a little bit of the Wilson effect um, in that we're looking for people to talk to, looking for ways to engage. The third reason I wanna to talk to you about Tom Hanks this morning is uh, another movie he made that's a little more recent, a little less known, a movie called Captain Phillips. Okay, a movie called Captain Phillips. I don't wanna to talk to you about Captain Phillips because of the movie necessarily, but because of the true story that the movie was based on. So I knew the story of that movie before the movie came out. Just to give you a quick uh, snapshot, it's a, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story about a guy, true story, who is a captain of cargo boats, and he's taking this pretty risky trip to carry some cargo into some dangerous waters, and the ship is actually taken over by uh, Somali, I believe it was Somali pirates, and there was this famous line you may have heard, maybe you've seen a meme online called, I, I'm gonna try to do my best impression, I'm the captain now, okay? There's this famous phrase that comes out of the movie, I'm the captain now. That's what one of the pirates says to Tom Hanks, okay? Now, 
When I was first introduced to this true story of Captain Phillips, I was watching the news, okay? And as I was watching the news, I just happened to catch it. I didn't really know anything about it. I'd seen a few things about, hey, this guy's missing. We're hoping he's gonna come back. But the moment I really dialed into the story was the moment Captain Phillips was reunited with his wife for the first time. I mean, I, I watched this in real time. It was live on the news. And she's walking toward him and he's coming off the boat, the rescue boat that brought him home. And I remember looking at her face and as I was looking at her face, I learned something that I've always known. Do you know what I mean by that? Like you've always known it, but you, you, you didn't realize it. You didn't have the language for it. And I, as I looked at her and saw this expression of joy, but it was a different kind of joy. It was this joy that was, it had deep roots that had grown uh, because she had been longing and hoping and wondering if she was ever gonna see him again. So I'm sure that every time he took a trip, she was so happy to see him when he came home because he would take these long trips. But this particular time, she had a different kind of joy. And it was a joy that comes only on the other side of sorrow and sadness and longing and waiting and suffering. And that's much of our Easter story and that's also now that we understand that we have this resurrected savior who's recreating the world, that's also a part of this story where we say, resurrection is here, new things happen, rebirth happens, uh, the mission moves forward, uh, darkness is overcome by light, but not fully, it hasn't happened fully yet. So there's still this longing for this, yes, we can have joy now, but there's a longing for that final joy that we can't wait for. I wanted to share a quote with you. Um, I don't know who to attribute this to. I tried to figure it out. Sometimes it takes sadness to know happiness, noise to appreciate silence, and absence to value presence. It's interesting how it works that way. And that last one is probably very relevant for us right now. So we're going to be in Hebrews, believe it or not. And you say, Jared, Hebrews? On Easter Sunday, well, I'm the captain now. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, Hebrews chapter 12. Just a few verses here, okay? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Listen to this. This is where I want to drill down today. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning, uh, kind of could also mean disregarding its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God, we thank you that this is true. We thank you for your word. We do not want to try to make this fit us. We want to be conformed and shaped into your image, Jesus. So let this word shape us this morning and speak into our times and our days and our moments. In your name we pray, amen. Now there's a lot going on in Hebrews. I mean, he starts chapter 12 by saying, great cloud of witnesses. We're not gonna get into all that, but basically if you go back and read verse 11, it is just story after story of just heroes of the Old Testament, like Mount Rushmore, 
okay, the all-star team, first ballot Hall of Famers from the Old Testament. And he's basically saying, listen, these guys and girls endured, endured, because the church at this time uh, that, that this letter was written was enduring persecution and trials. And he's encouraging them to hold on and he's reminding them, listen, if you've stepped into this thing, this Judeo-Christian story, you are stepping into a narrative that has some of the most unbelievable joys, uh, Red Seas parting, uh, mountaintop moments, miracles like nothing you've ever seen. There are unbelievable wins, but there are also in this narrative stories of long seasons of waiting and longing and praying and enduring and being faithful. And he says, even Jesus, he talks about all of them. And then he says, even Jesus. Now you need to imagine this for a minute. For Jesus to become man, there's some humiliation involved in that just to begin with. Okay, before the cross, just to become man, I'm, I'm not gonna unpack Christmas, but just think about that. Just to become a human, to become natural if you're supernatural, to become finite if you're you know, infinite. And Jesus decided that though he never became not God, that he was gonna lay all of that aside and function on this world as a man and even teach us what it means to be a man that's dependent on the Holy Spirit. The power that he had in and of himself, he set aside and said, I'm gonna be dependent on the Spirit. And it was that very Spirit that revealed to him who he was truly and God confirming, this is my son, I'm very pleased with him. And these crazy experiences he had of miracles and the transfiguration and all this stuff. And then it was ultimately leading to the shame that the writer of Hebrews is talking about that he uh, endured. Imagine being, you know, you talk about royalty. Think about the person that you respect, the person that you're like, man, that's a dignified person of integrity. Yeah, maybe it's your grandparent, maybe it's your parent, maybe it's a teacher you had or uh, your new pastor, just whatever. Maybe it's someone that you really have a lot of respect for. Now imagine that person being shamed the way that Jesus was shamed, like the, 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 the nakedness. The, the Roman cross was all about, and, and we leaned into this a little on Good Friday, but the Roman cross was all about shame. It wasn't just about killing someone, it was about shaming them and robbing them of their dignity. Okay, but Jesus walked through that, and when his disciples were like, no, like Peter, like, you can't do that. Jesus said, get behind me. No, this needs to happen. This must happen. I'm choosing this because of the joy set before me. And the Hebrew writer saying, the joy set before him, look at him who walked through unbelievable shame. Look at him who walked through unbelievable shame and now given unbelievable honor. When he's at the right hand of God. That was the, the, the language that would have made the most sense for that time, this king on his throne, it doesn't necessarily mean God just sits on his throne all the time and Jesus sits next to him. What it means is that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. He acts on behalf of God the Father and everything that he wills and accomplishes, it, he has the authority to do it. Everything comes under him now as he makes this world new. But that's not the only thing that's not the only joy that was set before him. So the other verse I wanna read, uh, Revelation 21, five. I mean, Hebrews and Revelation on Easter Sunday. Let's go with it, okay? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. One of the most powerful quotes that I've ever read in my entire life is from Tim Keller on this passage. I'd like to read it to you now. The resurrection of Christ means every sad thing is going to come untrue. And it will somehow be greater for having once been broken and lost. There is a joy. I don't understand how God's grace, his redemption his, his power overcomes the brokenness in this world, the sadness in this world, and the heartache in this world, and somehow redeems it. But I do know that I've had countless stories over my years in ministry and just with friends and people that know and love God. I've heard this story before. Tell me if you've heard this story or if this is your story. What I went through is one of the worst things imaginable, and I would not wish it on my worst enemy. But I wouldn't change it for the world because I met God there. I wouldn't change it for the world. I know this sounds crazy, Jared, because it was horrific, but I met God there. And does that mean they're glad that it happened? No. Does that mean that they would love to go through it again? No. Does that mean that they were excited about it? No. But what they encountered in the land of the Spirit in the realm that trans, you know, just transcends what we can see, what they encountered with Jesus in that experience would make someone say, I wouldn't change it because I experienced something there and I experienced a joy on the other side that cannot be explained in a temporary sense. So that is what we're longing for today. That is what we're praying for today, and I have a couple of thoughts on this I want to share, and then we're going to continue. The first is this. We are given a taste of this joy here and now. I just unpacked that a little bit, but we're given a taste of this joy here and now. When we experience redemption and reconciliation in our lives, we're experiencing this joy here and now. You say, well, Jared, what do you mean by that? Well, It's always exciting and there's always a certain amount of joy when someone goes to college and earns a degree. But there's a different kind of joy for someone who has a learning disability and was told their entire life, you're not college material. When they go to college and earn a degree, it's a different kind of joy, but it came on the other side of something. Parents, you know, for most decent human beings, they're excited when they uh, bring new life into the world. They're, you know, they rejoice in that. That's a good thing. But there's a special kind of joy for those parents who were like my parents, who longed 
and prayed for years with an inability to conceive. When they give birth, it's yes, this, this couple's excited that they have children, should not be taken away, but this couple that longed, there's a different kind of joy on the other side of that pain. When a marriage goes through a tough season, it's always exciting when we celebrate milestone anniversaries, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. But when a marriage goes through a tough season and we celebrate a milestone and we say, God has walked us through a season, there's a different kind of joy on the other side of going through something as a couple or in any relationship that comes out on the other side reconciled. It's always exciting when we celebrate a birthday. Like birthdays are great, but every single birthday on the other side of cancer, there's a different kind of joy for the person that celebrates and for those around them that love them. It's the joy that's got a deeper root. It's connected to pain and sorrow and it's a different kind of joy. You know, I've been thinking, I joke that I'm here and nobody's showing up. I did I did pop in one Sunday, even before we accepted the position. And I hung out over here and just worshiped with you guys and just wanted to be a part. My, mine and Jocelyn's heart had already connected here and we were like, man, if, if we don't become the pastors of River City Church, we're gonna be surprised because we just sense that this is what God is doing. So I was like, I've gotta get up there and just be a part. And you know what I gathered? In my time looking around in the lobby and everywhere else, I thought, man, this church really enjoys coming together. It seems to me that every single Sunday is celebratory and they're happy to be here and they linger and they talk after. So every Sunday I'm sure is that way, but not like the next time we gather. The next time we gather is gonna be on the other side of a season of not being able to see each other. The next time we gather is gonna be on the other side of a season of not having a choice to gather, not being with each other, not being together. And there will be a certain kind of joy that only comes on the other side of waiting and longing. Lastly is this, there is purpose in this pause, okay? That's how our life feels right now. In varying degrees, okay, in varying degrees, but for everyone, at least multiple aspects of your life are on pause. And there's purpose in this pause. You know, I had an opportunity this week, well, this past week, to jump on an Instagram live call with our youth pastor, Tim Downey, who's just, it's unbelievable, such an unbelievable blessing to the teenagers in this church and up here on Sundays, just an unbelievable guy. And he invited me to be a part of this Instagram live call that all of the teenagers were also invited to kind of jump in on. And one of the questions I was asked was, Jared, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? And that's, you know, he's like, well, I like all of them or all the ones about Jesus or, you know, or John 3, well, you know, that's fine but I kind of do have one that's resonated with me and it's from the Old Testament. It's from Genesis and it's Joseph toward the end of the story of Joseph when he stands in front of his brothers who treated him terribly, but through them treating him terribly and through all of these other misfortunes happening to him, he ends up with all authority in Egypt, the right hand of the Pharaoh. 
And Joseph looks at his brothers as they beg for his forgiveness and he goes, it's okay, I forgive you because what you meant for evil, which really means the evil that was behind what they were doing, this, the, the, the fallenness, the demonic influence over their lives, what, what the enemy meant for evil, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. What the enemy means for evil, I can't explain to you how this happens. I can't, I can't get you from point A to point B with all these little benchmarks in between. We can have the conversation, but there is something that I can't explain that I have experienced in that what the enemy means for evil, somehow God in his sovereign control and rule and reign over everything that happens can redeem all of those things and mean them for good. In other words, God can change the meaning. <coughs> Excuse me. But we have to connect ourselves to the purpose. So the next few weeks, starting next Sunday, we're gonna step into a series called Purpose in the Pause. Purpose in the Pause, because we want, if the enemy cannot, um, if the enemy cannot get us to fall into some sort of blatant thing, he can at least disconnect us from the fact that we're on mission and that we're on purpose. And the fact is, much of the New Testament was written by Paul in prison. You can be on pause and you can do unbelievable things. Creativity can be birthed if you stay connected to the purposes of God. So I'm gonna be leading us through that series and calling us God, what does it look like during this season to connect and stay on purpose? So listen, we love you. The band's gonna come back up. We love you guys. It may be at home watching on your television screen right now, not as easy to get happy about Easter, not as easy to hug everybody and uh, you know, and just celebrate in all the ways that you can. Easter egg hunts look different today. Maybe you're even having to keep some of your family and relationships at bay and all that stuff. I get it. So maybe it not, maybe it's super easy to be happy today. But listen, we don't base, in the, in, the, in the Christian story, we always let our hope, we always let our future joy inform the present because we know where this is going and we place our faith in where this is going. So we're gonna sing a song today about being happy, about being filled with joy. And if you have to displace your joy into the future and say, God, I'm celebrating now because I am believing by faith in who you are and where this is headed, we're gonna do that together. God, we thank you for your resurrection power. We thank you that you're making all things new. We thank you for the opportunity to celebrate the joy that we have in you, to celebrate your name, Jesus, to say no matter what, even if we're watching this service from home, even if we're walking through difficulties right now, we know that we will endure and push through for the joy set before us. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray all of these things, the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen.